Well, it's good to be able to sing, isn't it? It will be in a limited way. Wouldn't it be nice when we are all gathered and are able to sing mask-free and to rejoice? Isn't it good that we appreciate things now, which perhaps we didn't appreciate quite so much in the past? Every, every mercy from the Welsh Assembly Government thrills our hearts as they give us a greater liberty and freedom. And uh, we pray for wisdom for them as they uh, uh, look to the future and have to make important decisions. Well, we're going to look tonight at uh, John chapter 5 and the passage we read where Jesus healed the, the man who had been an invalid for 38 years. Verse 8, we read, Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. It was an unforgettable day. Uh, Christians love to read the gospel accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. As you read through the gospel accounts, one amazing thing after another happens. And the accounts are remarkably simple. They don't try to dramatize it and build it up because the things they're describing are wonderful. We love to listen to the words of Jesus and to see his works And uh, John's gospel is a little different from the other gospels because he tells us about things that Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't tell us about. And he particularly gives us more detailed accounts of the way in which Jesus dealt with individuals. He also gives us long sections of teaching, like the Lord's discourses in the upper room. And uh, this is a miracle of Jesus, and John calls the miracles signs. In other words, they're things that point away from themselves to something even more wonderful. The miracles are wonderful, but they point to something which is even more glorious. They point to Jesus, to his glory, and to the wonderful grace that he shows to many people. Because John had a definite purpose in view when he was writing the gospel. He wasn't simply wanting to describe the, the life and the teaching of Jesus, but he wanted to bring people to faith in him, that people would put their trust in him as saviour. In John chapter 20, we read, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples. They were eyewitnesses of what he did, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why I'm writing this that you might believe who Jesus is, the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life, that's true life, eternal life, in his name, through him. And So this gospel centers on Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, and its purpose is that the church might be people who believe, and there's a sense also which it is continuing to believe. It's a gospel which strengthens Christians. And the first century Christians, and we today, need to be strengthened in our faith and in our convictions. There are so many things that can unsettle us. And uh, it's through reading about the life and ministry of Jesus that we are strengthened in our confidence in him. And so I want us to look at the passage and what it tells us about the wonderful way in which this man was healed. And the first point really is to see that sin is a blight on the life of every man and woman born into this world. It affects us in different ways, but it's a a fatal 
light. And this place, Bethesda, was a reminder of that in a particular way. Jesus was in Jerusalem for one of the pilgrimage festivals. The Passover, Feast of Trumpets, we're not sure. But this miracle uh, occurred at a pool of Bethesda, which means house of mercy. And uh, amongst the many people who were there, Jesus saw a paralyzed man. Verse 3 tells us here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And uh, this man had been there for 38 years. He was a, a particularly sad case. People use that phrase, don't they? They talk about somebody who suffered and they say, you know, he's a sad case. Well, this man certainly was like that because his limbs were shriveled up. Uh, Whatever it was that had made him lame, was it an accident or a disease? He hadn't been able to use uh, his limbs. And uh, because they'd been inactive, um, well, they had no strength in them at all. He just lay there day after day after day. On another occasion, again on the Sabbath, another Sabbath day in the synagogue, Jesus healed a man who had a, a shriveled right hand. Same thing, it was wasting away. It was no good to him. And uh, this man had been an invalid for 38 years. We don't know whether that's something from birth or something had happened to him at some point in his life. But, but something happened. He had what today we would call life-changing injuries. And uh, he was no longer able to walk, no longer able to get on with life and join in the different things that other people did. And he probably hadn't been at the pool all of that time, but he'd started coming to the pool of Bethesda at some point in his life, really looking for hope. Uh, And this sense that people had that at times the, the water was troubled. Maybe it was a spring of water that bubbled up. But the belief was that it was an angel of the Lord who did it. And uh, that if you got into the pool, the first one into the pool would be cured of whatever disease he had. And so he went to the pool in the hope that one day he'd, he'd get there first. But humanly speaking, he had no hope unless there was somebody to help him. And there was no one to help him. So I don't know how many times he'd seen the pool being troubled and he'd seen other people going down, but, but he'd never made it. And uh, each time was a disappointment to him. Uh, and he, he tells Jesus that he had no one to help him, and others got there first. But that also reminds us that he was lonely. And that's something that happens when you've got a serious disability or a serious illness. At first, people may be very caring, your family and friends, and they gather around, but as time goes on, they find it difficult to keep on helping. They've got their own lives to live and, and your situation doesn't change. It doesn't progress. It doesn't develop. And they get discouraged at your situation when you yourself are discouraged by it. And so he had little hope of benefiting from being at Bethesda. And he's sort of picture, isn't he, of a, a life full of potential, but a potential is unfulfilled because of his disability. And so many people's lives are like that. It, it isn't just by having some disability necessarily, but all kinds of things in us. And you see sometimes children growing up and full of potential. Something happens and uh, their life takes a, a negative turn and, and it robs them 
of all the possibilities and all the potential. There are temptations. And uh, here's this man, he's, he's lying there and he's helpless. And in many ways, he's hopeless. And sin does affect us physically. Uh, at some point in our lives, we may be brought to the point that we too can't do things. We need carers to come in to help us. And uh, our, our strength inevitably decreases through age and through disease. And uh, often the situation can't be changed. This man's situation couldn't be changed. His latent manhood uh, had withered and died. And the Bible tells us that these physical consequences are all linked to sin. The sinful nature that we have, the human race has. And the world is a sad place, isn't it? If you, if you follow the news, it's almost all bad news. You hear of people who, who are in the middle of wars and conflicts that they, they don't want to be part of. But their homes are destroyed and uh, they lose loved ones. And there are people in places where there's famine and disease and, and the world is full of trouble. And it's all because of sin, the sinfulness of our hearts and the sin that goes back to Adam and to his disobedience right at the beginning of history. And this man is a physical picture of the consequences of sin. But sin also destroys us spiritually. And uh, we've got an inability an inability to seek God and to find him. And, and so although the world is a troubled place and although people experience sadnesses in their lives, they don't seem to seek after God. They're like this man. He, he can think to himself, I'm going to get up, but he can't. And there are people who spiritually think, well, I can come to God and one day I will, but we can't. And time passes. And uh, we haven't made any progress and our lives are blighted by that spiritual problem that we have. The good things we think to do, we don't do. The bad things which in our better moments we don't want to do, we find ourselves doing those very things. In, in fact, Paul, as he writes the Romans, says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Powerless, without strength. And Jesus died in order to redeem us. In fact, he says in one of his other letters, we were dead in our transgressions and sin. Unresponsive to God. Perhaps that was true of you once. Perhaps it's true of you now. It's certainly true of many people in our society today, and we can't change ourselves. We can't establish a right relationship with God, and this man is a picture of that. He's got a physical disability, but there's a spiritual problem that he's got as well. And that's why he's put his hope in this pool and the visitation it was believed of the angel. We don't know how often the angel visited but people were hoping that it would happen and they'd get there and they would be healed. Um, but he, he had no capacity to change his situation and no appetite for spiritual things. Uh, sin gives us a sort of spiritual anorexia. We, we don't want to learn more about God. We're happy as we are, thank you. Um, I remember going sometimes from house to house, and you'd, you'd come across a sign. And, and people would say, no religious callers here. No, we're not interested. No desire. I remember going to one house in Deeside, and they had that sign, and I respected it and walked on, prayed for them. And then a couple of years later, uh, that family suffered a terrible tragedy, and one of their sons was killed 
uh, in a motorcycle accident. And uh, through someone in the church who knew the family, I visited the home. And, and it was sad to see that terrible tragedy, but also no real ability to understand the help that God can give us. Uh, no desire after God. And uh, time doesn't heal. 38 years had passed, but he wasn't any better. If anything, he was worse. And how much of his life had passed him by. By now, probably many of his family members had died. And uh, he felt lonely. He, he could have been bitter. Uh, he might have been saying, perhaps his friend said to him, you do wonder, don't you, why these things happen to you? And he said, that isn't caring. That sort of adds to our suffering. Uh, it wasn't necessarily he had done something which had brought it about. He may have. But a great deal of disease and illness and accidents are things that happen to us. They're not a direct punishment for sin. And uh, those friends who'd been there were no longer there. Or used to have, used to have people who come and they'd, they'd come with me on a Monday and a Wednesday, but that they can't come anymore. But I have a few people who carry me in the morning and they, they just lay me here in Bethesda. And I wait. And I talk with the others who are here. They're my friends. And uh, I hope that one day I'll get into the pool and I will be healed. And so here's this man and he's a, he's a tragic case, isn't he? He's got no hope. And uh, day by day by day he's brought to the pool of Bethesda. And uh, it's tragic to see him and life is slipping by. And you know that's true in many ways about people who, who don't know the Lord Jesus. You know, people sometimes say, well, I, I don't want to know him now. I'm quite enjoying my life and I want to carry on with it the way it is. Later I'll do it. The fact is that very seldom does that actually happen. But life goes on. Life passes. You say sometimes, well, doesn't time fly? You know, it was a year last March that the pandemic started and it, it seems to have gone in one sense very quickly, but life passes us by and life was passing this man by. And he's there amongst others who are like him. And uh, then one day the Lord Jesus Christ comes to Jerusalem, comes to Bethesda and sees him. And what he does is he, he brings wholeness to this man. Uh, he shows great compassion and mercy. Uh, there aren't others who are showing compassion and mercy. Probably when people saw Bethesda, if they went there for other reasons, they, they passed by because they didn't want to get involved with people with their needs. But, but Jesus wasn't like that. He, he comes and he, he sees the people who were there. And uh, he, he comes to seek and to save what is lost. He's come into this world with a definite purpose and he's come to Jerusalem with a definite purpose here too and he, he heals the man instantaneously. Uh, he sees him and Jesus knew or learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He says, do you want to get well? And the man says, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. How many times did that happen? As he pulled himself down trying to get there. And then he failed, and he had to drag himself back and get back on his mat and lie there again for who knows how long. 
But Jesus seeks out the man. It isn't the man who realizes his need of Jesus. Nor does he realize who Jesus is or what Jesus is able to do. There's no sign of faith or openness before the Lord Jesus approaches him. He wasn't the most religious man in Jerusalem. He wasn't more deserving than anybody else. In a sense, his life centered on himself. His whole life was concerned with being healed. He went, that's why he went to Bethesda. And uh, he was thinking mainly about himself. I don't know how much he rejoiced when somebody else perhaps was healed. Um, but here he was. He was just one amongst the many. And uh, yet the Lord Jesus Christ seeks him out. And, uh, you know, that's our situation, isn't it? Very often it isn't we who begin to seek God, but he begins to stir in us. He begins to make us thinking, think, or he, he leads us to particular places. Perhaps we, we work with somebody who's a Christian. We go to school with someone who's a Christian, and we live near somebody who's a Christian, or we meet them on uh, public transport or something of that sort when we can, and as things begin to stir. And here's Jesus. Isn't it wonderful to see him seeking this man out? Uh, he seeks us. He finds us. He draws us to himself. And he's got great compassion and love. Again and again, we're told that his heart went out to people. Uh, and his heart goes out to this man. He values the individual. We sing a hymn sometimes, don't we, which says, So teach me, Saviour. Teach me the value of a soul. Every person is precious in God's sight. You know, sometimes people say of Christian meetings, there aren't many people here today, are there? But God looks at us as individuals. Each one matters. He knows us. And Jesus gets to know this man, and he deals with the one amongst the many. There's a mystery there, isn't it? He doesn't heal them all, but he heals this man and he reveals his tenderness to the personal needs of this man and his situation he he understands you know sometimes people say to us uh, well they say to somebody who's got a problem i know how you feel and you think well do you do you know what it's like to be an invalid for 38 years to be a bethesda every day for how many years we don't know do you know do you understand but he does understand. He's got compassion. You remember a leper came to him. Mark describes it in his gospel. And uh, he was full of leprosy and he fell on his knees and he begged Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And we're told that filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. Isn't that a wonderful encouragement? Are you willing? He says, I am. Uh, he is willing, he is able, one of our hymns says, doubt no more. Uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, the willingness of God to accept us and to meet our needs is clearly declared. Uh, and as he comes to, to Bethesda, he's come to bring blessing to this particular man. He also has compassion for the crowds. Uh, Mark tells us that uh, times when large crowds were gathering, they had nothing to eat, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way. 
because some of them have come a long distance. And he feeds them, but he feeds them out of compassion. He meets our needs out of compassion. Isn't it wonderful to have a saviour like that? And this man is, is about to realise who the Lord Jesus Christ really is. And he has compassion not only for hungry people and for lepers and for this paralysed man, but also for people like that rich young ruler who came to Jesus, who, who came asking what he had to do to inherit eternal life. And he was a rich man. He had everything and his riches meant so much to him that it kept him from following Jesus. But we're told in Mark's Gospel that as Jesus looked at him, he loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. He isn't asking him to do that because he doesn't love him. He's saying this is what will set you free and this is how you will find eternal life. But the man turned away, uh, very sad, because he was very rich. We sometimes assume that people who have enough and to spare, and they have all the things you could possibly desire in this world, will somehow be people more open to God. But actually those riches bind us often. We love them too much. But Jesus looked at that man as he said, I've, I've kept all the commandments from my youth. And he loved him. When he saw the city of Jerusalem, as he came to the city on his way uh, to the cross, he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. That's the problem. I would, I would have gathered you, but you were not willing. Instead of running to him, we run away from him. And uh, he goes on to speak about the fact that their house is now desolate. He's speaking about the destruction of Jerusalem that is coming. And he says, I tell you the truth. You will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But how often, how often I have longed to gather your children together. Here is this saviour who knows us, who cares about us and desires to do us good. He seeks the lost. He's got great compassion and love. And also he, has, he speaks with power and authority. That's something was noticed about his teaching. He wasn't like the teachers of the Lord, the other religious teachers. They, they spoke words, but there was no authority in them. But there was authority in his teaching because he spoke with heavenly authority. But here he speaks to a man with amazing commands. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. The first two commands are to do something now. Get up. Pick up your mat. The walking is keep on walking. It's a continuous verb. He's saying to this man who hasn't been able to walk for 38 years, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. No physiotherapy. He was able to walk immediately. I remember when we were on holiday in Pembrokeshire many years ago now, seeing signs of special services that were being held. Uh, and it said, miracles as in Bible times. And I thought, are you sure? Uh, what are those miracles? Often they're dealing with internal problems. We've got, that's not a bad thing. Um, psychosomatic illnesses, that's not a bad thing. But this man was paralyzed. He could do nothing until Jesus spoke. 
And of course, you remember their signs. They point to Jesus and who he is. Uh, Peter, as he went into the temple by the beautiful gate, after Pentecost, saw another lame man. And he said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he took him by the right hand, helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Just imagine Jesus speaks to this man at the pool of Bethesda. And uh, the man obeys. He speaks and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. And leap he lame for joy. That's the difference that Jesus makes. He comes into our life marred by sin and blighted by sin. And he sets us free and he makes us whole. This man is a new man. Uh, sometimes when Jesus healed people, people saw them and said, is, is this the same man? He said of the man at the beautiful gate of the temple. Yes, he's the same man, but he's transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ and his grace. Uh, and in many ways, the good news of Jesus it comes to us in commands. Repent, turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your trust in him. And we might say, I can't do that. But if he commands us to it, we do it. And that's a testimony of a Christian. That uh, we obeyed his commands. We turned from our sins. We turned to Christ and we put our trust in him. And our life was changed. Because with the command, there came the enabling power to do what was commanded. And uh, he raises us from the death of spiritual uh, death. And he makes us new people. Have you obeyed that command to turn from your sins and put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? And in him to find forgiveness. This man's life is changed. He, his whole life is going to be different from now on because the Lord Jesus Christ has come in and met with him and changed with him. And of course, he, he's a man who needs forgiveness as well. Later when Jesus meets him in the temple, uh, because the man is not able to say who it is that healed him. And uh, he says to him, see you are well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. What he's saying is now, go through that spiritual transformation and that new life which I'm able to give. And there are wonderful promises, aren't there, of forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. A pardon for sins of deepest eye. It doesn't matter what we have done or how often we've done it. There is forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ which cleanses us from all sin. And uh, so this man is changed and he becomes a follower of Jesus. I wonder whether you've known that same work in your life, that you too have been changed. No matter how many years you've lived, how many years have been wasted, as in a sense this man's life had been wasted. But have you heard the, the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ? And have you obeyed them in his strength? You see, Jesus asked this man a, a strange question. When he saw him and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Isn't that a strange question? You know, the man might have said, of course I do. In fact, he does explain why he's there. That's why I come here every day. I want to get well. 
And you know, that answer was really important because the man still had hope. You see, sometimes we become familiar with our lives, with all the limitations that they've got. And uh, this man might have said, well, you know, these, these are my friends. I, I know them all. We, we, we chat together. We, we try to encourage each other and help each other as much as we can. And In fact, if I didn't come here, I don't know what I'd do. And so often we accommodate our lives to the limitations. We think this is what life is all about. And so it's an important question. It isn't a cruel question. It's saying, do you want to be changed? And sometimes people say, yes, I'd like to have the blessing of being a follower of Jesus, but I'm not sure I want to take on the responsibilities. I don't want my life to change. But this man does. He's not content with his weakness. Uh, that gives him a kind of security. There's a context in which he knows how he gets by. Perhaps people give him money, people carry him to the pool. He's got everything sorted out. But he wants to be well. Sometimes we can love our sins, love our sinful lives. And we don't want to change. We're reluctant to let them go. So how would you answer that question? Do you want to be well? Do you want to be changed? If you want to receive eternal life, how would you answer it? Perhaps you say, no thanks, but this man didn't. This man wanted to. And that's really important. Uh, because often we struggle with that bondage in our nature. That we think we can do something that we can't do. And it's only when we realise that we need God's help to break free of sin, sin that binds us and sin that limits and spoils our lives. Uh, there are people who've got all kinds of quarrels with God, all sorts of questions, and they, they throw it up whenever you challenge them to come to Christ. But this question keeps coming through, doesn't it? Do you want to get well? Do you really want to get well? And this man says, yes, I want to be well, but I can't get to the pool. And so Jesus says, you don't need to go to the pool. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once, instantly, the man was cured, picked up his mat and walked. That's the wonderful thing about the gospel. It's a promise which is fulfilled immediately that we respond to the Saviour. Uh, the vilest offender, one of our hymns says, who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon received. There's that instantaneous blessing that comes. And it's all because the Lord Jesus Christ was fulfilling his ministry. He said, my father is working still and I am working too. And he's still working by his spirit, still calling people into his kingdom. Around the world today, many people have become followers of Jesus and disciples for the first time. Every day, the Church of Jesus Christ grows. And uh, he's calling people from every nation, tribe, and family. Uh, and this miracle happened on the Sabbath day. And uh, there's a sense in which the Lord's Day is a day when the Lord specially works, as the good news is proclaimed. It's a day when we expect him to work and to do great Things. Isn't it sad that there were people who, who were more concerned about keeping their rules about the Sabbath than they were in the wonderful power of Jesus that changed and transformed this man? He carried his bed and he said, why are you carrying the bed? 
It's the Sabbath. But the man who healed me, he says, he told me to pick it up. They can't, couldn't care less about that. And sometimes there are people who are so religious that they, they actually don't want to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Father and the Son are still working, still welcoming and saving sinners. And you can come. You can come as you are. You don't have to wait for something. You need, don't need to do something first. Just come as you are. And on this, the Lord's day, experience the goodness and the kindness and the love and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is able to change you and transform you and make your life new, as he made this man's life new. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful miracle which your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, performed. We thank you that it's a sign that points us to him. And we thank you that now he is in heaven, that by the Holy Spirit he is still working. We thank you if you've called us already to know you and love you, and our lives, which once were blighted by sin, have been changed and transformed. Our sins have been forgiven. Uh, you've given us peace with you and a glorious hope for the future, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Lord, we pray for those who do not yet know you and ask that you will open their hearts and uh, help them to know that you are the one alone who can make them well. For we ask these things in our Saviour's name.